Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. I am John Ledyard, and this Pewter Report Podcast on Therapeutic Monday is brought to you by our friends, energized by Celsius. We appreciate y'all being with us, and um, man, we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun today. Uh, I know that that seems a little bit contradictory because uh, it, how could we have fun on a day after a terrible twenty-seven to twenty-four loss at the hands of the Los Angeles Rams? But we're gonna do it because that's what we do over a Peter Report. We have fun. We laugh through the pain. Uh, we giggle a little bit through our tears, and that's what we're gonna do with y'all uh, on this uh, on this. Uh, therapeutic tuesday I, should, I think i said monday maybe before on this therapeutic tuesday so we appreciate y'all being with us uh we are glad to be bringing you this content and uh, all of it today on this show is brought to you by our friends our good friends over at celsius <laughs> Stay active and energized all day long with Celsius by your side. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. We're different from other energy drinks because we focus on movement. When combined with exercise, our formula is clinically proven to boost your metabolism and help you burn body fat. Whether you need an extra boost to the gym or a delicious pick-me-up to help you hustle through your workday, Celsius is here to help you stay active and focused on your goals. Made with only the best ingredients, Celsius has no artificial preservatives or flavors or high fructose corn syrup, and it's very low in sodium. You've heard Scott get on here and talk about his favorite flavors already. Your boy is getting some Celsius this week. Pretty pumped about it. Matt Matera stopped the other day, picked up some Celsius, and they were basically sold out. I think he got one of the last two bottles that were left. So it's good stuff, uh, and it's coming to you uh, here at the Pewter Report podcast. And we are talking Celsius and we are talking it up. And there's Mark Cook. He has joined the show and he has his Celsius. What flavor is that, Mark? This is the grapefruit. Oh. Sparkling grapefruit. I have a case of uh, grape that I also ordered. Kind of like the grape. Um, yeah. Scott gave me the uh, sparkling grapefruit to try too. None of it's bad. It's all pretty good. Yeah, Scott, I think the orange Scott was saying is his favorite. I'm going to try uh, the wild berry. I think that's the one uh, that I've got my eye on right now. But um, yeah, no, I, the Fuji apple. That's the one that I'm uh, waiting on. That's that's the one that I Fuji want to try. apple. I think an apple one would be pretty good. A sparkling apple. That's Let's one we got to try. Justin Johnson kicking it off today, and he is sending a $5 contribution over for a new camera from our cook. Justin Johnson, thank you. We appreciate the contribution. Why is it that the current Bucks running backs look like lobsters wearing oven mitts in the passing game? Appreciate all you guys do bringing great content. Appreciate you as well, Justin. It is pretty wild, Mark. There is just... I don't know what to even say at this point about the Bucks running back room because it is just so atrocious in the passing game. And it's not like they didn't see this as an issue before the season. They did. They went out and they got people, and it just has been a really poor group of players that they went out and got Leonard Fournette. Now, LaShawn McCoy can't even get on the field. Um, you know, this Keyshawn Vaughn won't get, they won't be giving him opportunities after he struggled early in the season uh, with a couple drops and the fumble against the Bears. So it is hard to figure out what the answer should be 
for this passing game. Some people have said put Antonio Brown in the backfield. That might work situationally, but at the end of the day, there's not a lot of answers on this roster. It's something they're just going to have to try and get more out of the guys that they have right now. Well, they had an answer. His name was Dare Ugumwale. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was that guy last year that, uh, you know, he wasn't a dynamic guy, but he caught the ball. He was pretty good yeah. in pass protection. And for whatever reason, they deemed expendable this year when they signed LeSean McCoy and um, brought in Leonard Fournette. And uh, anyway, I, I, I'm... I'm still wondering, you know, why 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 they did that. But uh, anyway, I think they may be wondering now at this point why they did that as well. Um, again, Darby yeah. it wasn't it wasn't an explosive, you know, he isn't Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. He's certainly not, um, mm-hmm. you know, James Wilder of old out of the backfield for the Buccaneers. But uh, he was a dependable pass catcher. He didn't drop many of them, and and he could he could make a you know that first guy miss a lot of times and. Uh, and 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 have enough wiggle to maybe get a first down. Main thing, first thing you got to do, John, is you got to catch the damn ball. I mean, yeah. And, and this nonsense, Bruce saying, well, you know, they didn't have time to develop. Look, man, let's just admit the facts. If the ball hits you in the hands. Catch the ball. I mean, we talk about that with receivers all the time. It's no different with running backs. I don't care if Tom Brady didn't place it perfectly. I don't care if there was a backside. Pass rusher putting pressure on Brady, and he had to throw the ball sooner than he wanted to. The ball right. hits you in the hands. Catch the damn ball, and and the Buccaneer running backs just can't do that. Three drops with from Leonard Fournette. We've seen Ronald Jones not see the field for two or three quarters at a time after one drop. Um, don't understand right. it. Just just very the whole the whole the whole rotation. Of these running backs is very frustrating to me. Ten carries for Ronald Jones last night, seven for Leonard Fournette, but but he also had four targets in the passing game. And I don't understand because Leonard Fournette has kind of been an afterthought to a degree the last few weeks. Don't understand why all of a sudden they thought he was going to be uh, an effective running back and a receiver last night. But anyway, they yeah. did. And uh, it didn't pay off. Well, what was crazy is after the three drops, they're running plays out and they're like designed to go to Leonard Fournette. I mean, they're yeah. trying to get Leonard Fournette the ball. It's just hard to like understand what the process is there when you have all A, the guys they have on offense, and B, just the fact that Fournette just has not played well, period. I mean, it's just at some point you just got to say, okay, this guy, we got to move away from him and not try to target him as much and not try to get him involved as much. And it just doesn't seem to be something that, that goes mm-hmm. through uh, their mind very often. So, Appreciate that question, Justin. I wish we had better answers for you because there really is just none. It's hard to understand um, why that this is the situation with this running back room. I mean, we haven't even talked about how bad they've been after the catch because they can't even secure the catch. So there's not even – we can't even get there. So there's a lot to unpack, and it will be a, a big focus of our offseason coverage for sure. Appreciate everybody who's jumped in and the show we've got going on here. Uh, if you like the Pewter Report content – Tell your friends and family, spread the word, text somebody right now, say, hey, check the, these guys are on live. Jump in here, ask some questions, get, get join us on this Therapeutic Tuesday as we move past, as we bury the, this Bucks loss and we move past it and start to look forward to uh, a game against the Chiefs in a week. You know, So t- tell people, subscribe, the Peter Report podcast, Peter Report TV. Uh, yeah, show us the hearts and the thumbs up, and we appreciate all that and the super chats. Uh, keep this thing going. Uh, they can get Mark a new camera. They can keep us going uh, in the right direction on this podcast. So we really appreciate those contributions as well, especially now that we're going live 
four days a week. Uh, those contributions are really helpful for us as we try to keep up uh, our end of things uh, on the content side. So good question so far. We'll get to some of these as well um, that you guys have offered here for us today is about the fans. It's about you all being able to vent out and talk and we'll uh, give you as much information as we can as we try to answer your questions or just observe your criticisms, share in your criticisms. As I said earlier, you know, we laugh through the tears uh, on this show. Uh, Charlie Abraham, Abraham's uh, good, a good comment here. The short passing game outside of those outside screens, which weren't that creative either, nothing that could act as an extension of the running game to help keep the offense on schedule. I felt like the need maybe to clarify some things when I talked about the Bucks schematically just being kind of archaic and what they do. You know, some of the issues are just the fact that this offense tries to do everything vertically in a league that is kind of easier to stop vertical stuff if you're not being threatened horizontally. So you have a situation, just look at the other night, even when they're completing short passes, receivers release vertically and they turn around and come back to the ball. When that happens horizontally, typically what you have is those outbreaking routes on the outside, which are fine. They're a little bit tougher to hit, but it's a fine thing to have in the offense. But rarely do you have some drag routes or mesh routes across the middle of the field or things like that or rubs uh, with two receivers at the line of scrimmage, which they did one um, against the Panthers and the wheel to Mike Evans that they hit for a first down. And so, I mean, there are glimpses of things like that uh, the early in the Bears game, the first drive, Giants game, first drive. You saw something like that, but there's very little horizontal attacking of a team and using pre-snap leverage. So if receivers are, you know, giving outside shaded defensive back, being able to attack across the middle of the field uh, and use that leverage to their advantage that helps create easy separation and easy throwing windows. Everything that's short and underneath is typically being contested in this offense because it's hard when you're vertically based. They are just waiting for you to break back to the ball or turn and run with you vertically. There isn't a lot of things to open corners hips and keep them guessing. We've mentioned and bemoaned the lack of slants in this offense. It's just difficult to run an offense and be successful consistently creating separation and things like that if you have no horizontal aspect to your offense. Think about the Packers game and the Raiders game. Some of the best things they did were deep crossing routes across the middle of the field. Again, horizontal stuff. So we've seen it, but we haven't seen it the last few games, and so it's been really frustrating um, that it hasn't been a part of their offense because I think it's really key in the NFL in 2020. You have to be a little bit horizontally based with your passing game, and the Bucks just really aren't at all for the most part. I told you a few weeks ago, John, and I wrote about it again in the most disappointing. The Bucks aren't going to win a Super Bowl with Byron Leftwich as the offense coordinator. I just don't have any confidence in him whatsoever. He gets out coached. He gets out of a rhythm. He doesn't know what he wants to do from week to week. He, you know, as you just mentioned, one week something works and then he goes away from it completely. His running back rotation uh, makes no sense to me at all. I don't understand why Leonard Fournette's getting any carries at all in this offense. Honestly, mm -hmm. you got a guy that, you know, look, I understand a 98 yard run is very rare in the NFL. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, but that just shows you that he's capable. If you hand Ronald Jones the ball enough, he's a hard runner. He doesn't dance behind the line of scrimmage. He hits the hole hard. And uh, yes, I get it. The Buccaneers weren't running the ball at a very good clip yesterday. I think that they, you know, had less than 50 yards rushing. But, you know, we've talked about this as well, John, that the Buccaneers are best off of play action. And if it, if you're not mm -hmm. at least giving the the idea that you're willing to run the football, um, you know, that's 
that's just setting yourself up for disaster when you're playing teams that have very physical defensive lines, as we saw with with the Rams. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this was just a matchup nightmare. And and I wrote about it again before the game, I think in the preview and prediction. It's not always just the most talented team wins. It's the team that has the better matchups. And the, the Bears had a better matchup with their defensive line against the Buccaneers' offensive line. Certainly the Saints in those two games. So there's three losses. And last night it was the same thing with the Rams. Now, I will say this. I was impressed with the amount of time Tom Brady had to had to throw the football. He did get pressured. Mm-hmm. He did get hit a little bit. But he was only sacked one time. If you would have told me last night before the game that Tom Brady is only going to get sacked one time and, um, and, and not hit that often, I would have said the Buccaneers are going to win this football game. And then if you would have told me they were going to hold the Rams to, you know, yeah. what, what was it, 30, 40 yards rushing, I would say that right. this is an easy win. Somehow, <laughs> somehow. And wait, and then if you would have told me Tom Brady was going to have the ball in his hands with 154 left, a first down on the 34-yard line, and one timeout down by three, I would have definitely told you you were going to win the football game. Yet Tom Brady inexplicably, explic- whatever the word is, <laughs> I'm going to use an ex- ex- expletive because I'm so frustrated. I tried to hold it in. I don't understand Tom Brady's decision to go deep to Cam Brady right there. That was just dumb. That's dumb. That would be dumb if James Winston did it. It would have been dumb if Justin Herbert did it. It would be dumb if Taysom Hill did it. It's certainly dumb for a 20-year veteran right there knowing the situation that they just need a field goal to keep the game going, a touchdown to win it. You've got plenty of time. You don't have to make a desperation throw like we saw Derek Carr did when there was 11 seconds or whatever it was after Patrick Mahomes took the lead in that game on Sunday night. I mean, he had to take a shot down the field. All right, it was a big deal. Tom Brady did not have to do that. Why Tom Brady did that, I'm still just perplexed because it makes no sense to me at all. And if you are, if you are going to take a shot like that, John, why in the hell are you throwing it to Cam Brady? Why is that the guy that you think is going to split coverage and get behind a safety in a cornerback? It's Cam Brady. I love Cam Brady. Cam Brady is not a fast guy. I don't get it at all. Makes no sense at all. I'm just just beyond... Ask Bruce about it. He says, well, I guess you're going to have to ask Tom. (laughs) Well, okay, we'll ask Tom. Yes, we will. Right. I mean, he said as a bad read is bad everything by him. I mean, he was, you know, honest about that, but he always says that, you know, too, but I, I have to see, you know, again, we didn't, one of the, I, I complained about this to my wife last night when we were watching the game, but one of the things that just drives me crazy is we don't, we, how is it a primetime game and we do not get good replay review? Like just show us a replay where we can see the whole field. Like that's all I ask. So now I have to wait for all 22 to come out because there's no good replay for us to be able to see this thing. But yeah, I mean it's it was a it was just a terrible throw. I mean it was a terrible decision for sure. I just don't know what led to it. That's what I'd be interested in seeing. What did it look like before the the end result that we all see? Um, so I mean, there's, there's a lot there's, that goes. I, you, I, you can watch the all twenty two. You can watch an all forty four. You can watch an all one hundred. <laughs> John, you are not going to make sense of that throw at all. You're just not because there's well, no there's no reason. There's no excuse from that other than Tom Brady got greedy at that point. And you can't be greedy 20 years in the NFL when you're down by three with two minutes left and a timeout in your back pocket. You had just yeah. moving down you just moved down the field on the drive before. 
Um, to, even on that drive, I mean, they up. had a, a twelve, a, what a nine yard gain on first down or seven yard and twelve yard gain. I mean, they were moving fine. I mean, right, his throw to right. Chris Godwin, the play before two yeah. plays before that, was a really good throw. You know, tough tight coverage and. He laced it in there, and right. you know it just again is a rhythm thing, man. It just didn't seem like there was any rhythm last night. I mean, you could see the frustration. Even the pass that got batted back at him, and he chucked it to Evans. I mean, that was kind of just a frustration move. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just that's the thing with me when I watch Tom Brady. You remember this? And I was talking about it with Scott yesterday on the podcast. When I went back and after the Bucks signed Tom Brady, when I went back and watched his tape in New England last year, I was like, "There's no arm strength concern," and we've all seen that this season. I, I hope that narrative's died out now. There's no arm strength concern with Floss, no velocity concern with with Tom Brady. The only concern I had was I just thought at times he seemed really frustrated and he just forced things because he was frustrated. And you know, you never know the way their offense was going last year in New England. Maybe it was just the situation, so it was hard to say like this is going to carry over, you know. And, and I'm not saying it has yeah. totally carried over to this season for the Bucks. But he played bad in the second half last night, and that was part of it. You know, he was frustrated. He got pr- pressure for a little spot in the game, and it just seemed to frustrate him for the rest of the game where he missed throws that he just shouldn't miss. I mean, it just but, he, but he just what? he played poorly. Th- this goes back to Byron, too. Why are you running Cambry vertical 30 yards down yeah. the field? I mean, schematically, that makes no sense. You have Chris Godwin. You have Mike Evans. You have Antonio Brown. You have Scotty Miller. I mean, even Rob Gronkowski, it just makes no sense at all that you're trying to run this guy. I mean, are you thinking, well, the, the, the Rams are not going to be expecting this. Of course they're not going to be mm-hmm. expecting you. What else they're not going to be doing? Respecting it at all and, and worried about it whatsoever because they know Cam Brate's not going to get behind anybody. Now, yeah. I will say this. Look like the, the defender grab cam shirt just a little bit you know what i mean oh controversy but you know what it still was a terrible throw because it was there were too many guys around there i mean that yeah. ball it was not going to get in there it, the point was it, it was a throw that just didn't need to be made mm-hmm. just right. did not be made in that situation if there's 15 seconds left in the game okay but we've seen tom brady melt down twice now twice in last minute drives when the buccaneers were behind in chicago where he doesn't even know what down it is, and then in this game <laughs> last night. And the thing is, you bring in this guy, and I don't even care how much you're paying him, $25 million. Well, it doesn't matter if you were paying him $50 million or $5 million. You know, it's not about the money. It's about the experience and how he's supposed to elevate his football team. And, uh, and I'm not going to argue that he has elevated this football team because guys are – more positive, they expect to win, and and you ask they they ask guys, um, you know, last night they they've asked guys today, and they all said, oh yeah, you know, Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. You know, they were surprised that they didn't win, but uh, so he has elevated the team to a degree. But you pay him for those moments, those fourth yeah. quarter, you know, two minutes to go drives. I was watching one of the shows that was the Jacoby and whoever show earlier, and both of them were like. We didn't have any confidence Tom Brady was going to be able to drive this team down the field, you know, which is crazy because in years past, that's an automatic, right? That's Michael mm-hmm. Jordan bringing the ball up with 15 seconds left to take the last shot. You just know it's going to go in. But with Tom Brady in years past, you know he's going to win. But for whatever mm-hmm. reason, this game, they just didn't have that confidence. And Yeah, they just didn't. I mean, you're right. I mean, and like I said before, you know, I think what the Rams do defensively is a terrible – that's why I picked the Rams to win. I just think what they do defensively is a yeah. terrible matchup for the Bucs offense. I mean, the Bucs want to throw the ball vertically, 
it's not just Bruce and Barron that want to throw the ball vertically. Tom wants to throw it vertically too. I think he's thrown more deep ball attempts in this season than any other quarterback in the league. He He's aggressive. He did it in New England at an above average league rate without an offense that hardly had vertical options. So if they're there, he wants to take shots. Um, that's part of the DNA of Tom Brady that is grossly misunderstood by most people and even Bucks fans, I think. He is the ideal quarterback for a Bruce Arians offense. The reality is this is a Bruce Arians offense at its best. Like this really is, you know, people say, Oh, the yards last year. And you know, they had two 1000 yard receivers. Yeah. Because they were trailing in every single game. Right. And so teams were playing them softer in coverage. They played them totally different than they do now because of the situations that they were in that contributed to the yards and even the points at times, because they were getting way more favorable looks. It's just not the same thing this season. You know, people got to understand this isn't fantasy football. Um, and so I think that, you know, there is, there is so much to look at when you're talking about and breaking this down, but the deep ball is just a fraction of kind of what the offense is. And it would have been okay. They could have won this game without hitting a deep ball uh, in, in this game. And they didn't, um, you know, obviously, but they could have done that if he had stayed away from them a little bit more. And if the offensive play calling had stayed away from them a little bit more uh, and it was frustrating, they didn't because the Rams weren't going to give that up, but they were stuff to be had underneath and it's where they were finding success, and then they got greedy at times, both play caller, offensive designer, uh, and quarterback. So it was frustrating to see. We really appreciate our friends over at Maha Heddle throwing us a uh, super chat donation. Broncos podcast, they do a ton of awesome work. I know probably probably not many Broncos fans in here, but they have helped us immensely in setting all this up uh, for us to be able to go live and to be able to use StreamYard and all of this stuff. So we super appreciate the Maha Heddle family. Um, and appreciate their super chat donation jumping in here and showing us some love. Um, lots of love to those guys, and they do an awesome job breaking down the Broncos as well. Uh, but it was a frustrating game for a lot of reasons, Mark. The offense is obviously a big part of it. Um, you know, there are a lot of kind of theories of, you know, what's going on with the offense, what direction are they headed in. I mean, I think a lot of it's fair. I mean, it is hard to know. I mean, they score on every possession other than the one Rojo fumbles away against the Panthers, who then go on to shut out the Lions, who I know are not world beaters. But, I mean, how many shutouts have we seen in 2020? It's just we haven't yeah. seen hardly any. I don't know how that happened to the Lions. That's so embarrassing. But I still just am not really sure, like, what team's going to show up. Like, if they put 40 up on the Chiefs, who don't have a great defense but have a you know, better defense than the Panthers, I would say, like, you know, would you be that surprised? You know, but no, I I defensively, they could give they, up 50. Well, I mean, they might. And the Buccaneers might win 51 to 50. I mean, uh, <laughs> I texted you guys earlier and I wasn't kidding. Nick Carter, uh, you know, and some of you guys know he's a huge Buccaneer fan, Backstreet Boys guy, whatever. Uh, he texted no, text me. He called me and he goes, they're the bipolar Bucks. You just don't know which team's going to show up each week. And you know what? He's not necessarily wrong in saying that. I mean, this mm -hmm. team is up and down. Byron Leftwich is a bipolar play caller from time to time. There's some games you think to yourself, he's got it figured out, man. He's got it figured out. Todd Bowles, same way. You know, you look at that last three quarters against the Packers and you think, this guy's the greatest defense coordinator in the NFL. And then you see other games like the Giants game. Uh, or even parts of last night's game, and you wonder, who who is that guy, right? Let's rip the mask off and see the, who that really is. Is that really Raheem Morris underneath <laughs> the the mask of of Todd Bowles? Because is that Mike it Smith makes sense. Yeah, is that <laughs> is Mike Smith? Coverage? Is he back? I don't. You know, uh, it just they, they, 
Nick Nick's not wrong, man. This is a bipolar team. And he said, he said, I'm calling it right now. They'll beat the Chiefs. I said, in all honesty, before I picked the Buccaneers to win, um, I probably felt a little bit better about them beating the Chiefs based on the fact that the Chiefs have lost to the Raiders. Yeah. Should have probably lost to the Raiders again. The Buccaneers pretty much dominated the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, that's I, the, I don't, that's another one we have to look back on and just what I mean, they crushed the Raiders, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, dominated, particularly in the second half, just buried them and put the put their throats on their neck and just squashed their windpipes and on the road at that. And so, um, you know, it's it's hard to make heads or tails of this football team. Here's yeah. another thing I wanted to say, John. We we and I'll let 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 go on the offensive side of things, but we heard all off season and into the early part of the season, it's going to take a while to get on the same page. It's going to take a while for the receivers and Brady to get on the same page. Tom Brady is worse today as far as being on the same page with the receivers than he was in the first five weeks of the season, which should be the exact opposite. And then you start wondering why. Is that because Antonio Brown's here taking snaps away from Scotty Miller when he was developing some chemistry with Scotty Miller? I don't understand it. I mean, Tom Brady's deep ball percentage. What is he, Mm -hmm. one out of his last 13 or 15, something like that? Worse than that after last night, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he should be better, not worse. He threw two balls last night where he did not give his receivers an opportunity to catch the ball. One to Mike Evans, uh, which was basically out of bounds, and he threw one to Rob Mm -hmm. Gronkowski, same thing. I mean, Rob Gronkowski made a great catch, but there was no way for him to get his feet in bounds. I mean, again, you know, give these guys an opportunity. What is going on? I don't even think they were there last night. I wouldn't wouldn't have even thrown them. I mean, I just don't think that deep ball was there. I mean, you're right. I think the one to Mike Evans wasn't bad. Um, and the one to Gronk, he had, he had one-on-one coverage there at least. Yeah. Yeah. The the one on Gronk was not even that long of a pass. It was just kind of an arcing pass. But I mean, I think about the one to AB off AB's fingertips. That was actually a pretty good throw. Yeah. Um, and so that was the only one though, but you're right. The one to Evans was at least solo coverage, but then later their Evans right sideline. That was when things started maybe unraveling to me. Like they were driving. Yeah. That that, I mean, they were driving. It should have been intercepted, right? They were driving, and they're near midfield, and they had scored their last two drives, and they had a chance to score there before right. half, and the Rams right. end up getting the field goal. But on first down, they take that shot, and they they take a shot from midfield every single game. Every team knows it's coming. I mean, it's just so frustrating. I I know it, that's a normal shot place, you know, but they take it on first down from midfield every game. If you go back yeah. and look, I mean, they are constantly. Everybody knows. And it's just right. not there, but everything's vertical on that play. And so he's right. trying to give Mike Evans a chance to make a play. And so I just don't think – I don't get it at all. And then they throw the screen for a yard. You know, screens have been real right. great for this off. I mean, just horrible. I just don't understand the play call. The second and ten, you got in, – in, yeah, just outside of scoring range, second and ten, it's got to be a money call. Like, you got to have one of your best ones. You've got to score on that drive. And they're in third and nine. And I, I, he tried to fit it between two guys and never got a replay of it. I look like Godwin maybe had a chance to dig it out. I'm, not sure what he saw, and I'll have to go back and look on that one. But that was a, that, those three plays were huge, I thought. And then the Rams got the ball. They went down, got a field goal, they came back, and they were just kind of in control after that. Um, and so I thought that was a big chance for the Bucs to be able to, to score. But you're right. I mean, deep ball accuracy wasn't there. I don't know if that even would have mattered tonight because there was hardly anything open on the deep ball. Um, to me, it was just like a waste of plays when there was stuff. Other stuff. I mean, they were clicking. When they were John, going we've, underneath, huh? we, we've seen we've seen Mike Evans make those catches 
on those deep balls when there really isn't a lot there where it doesn't appear he's open. That guy thrives in that situation. We hmm. haven't seen it a lot this year. But yeah, I we have not seen it really at all. <laughs> ask every Buccaneer fan since 2014. You know, you give Mike Evans an opportunity. You know what I mean? You, you, you're talking about a guy who's 99% of the time going to be a mismatch for a cornerback. And if he's one-on-one, you give him that opportunity. Now, you can't throw in a double coverage. That's stupid. But if, if, if there's an opportunity there, you go let Mike, you know, Mike, Mike tends to make those catches more often than the easy ones, right? When he's wide mm-hmm. open, you know, he'll have those drops. He doesn't drop the ones where he has to go up and, and box out and, and fight a guy. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to beat him up too bad for trying to throw throw that ball. But here's yeah. another thing. How about the Buccaneers just damn bad luck on that last drive the Rams had right before the half? Whereas if they would have let the receiver run two more yards before they tackled him, they never would have got up and spiked it. You know what I mean? I mean right. It's, just, it's, just, it's definitely luck, yeah. Gosh, it's just luck there. I mean, you don't People are like, what, unbelievable score. clock management by the Rams. Unbelievable. You know, I'm like, oh, this please. is completely luck. If they Absolutely. lay on him one more second, they, they, they get out second. of the half five. Yep, yeah. I mean, and, they should have made the tackle. Don't get me wrong. Winfield blew the the tackle absolutely. on the screen, you know. But it's still, it was it was luck. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's football, man. Like people don't understand. Like if that play doesn't happen, that, we could be yes. talking about a totally different thing today. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's the little things in football yeah. games, and 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 that you know that you, you assume. What well, was the interception by Brady that cost him the game? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, if right. the Rams would have lost that game, it would have been the uh, 40-yard field goal that Matt Gay did miss you know, right. because he did have one miss. How disgusting for Buccaneer fans to have Matt Gay kick the winner in the south end zone. <laughs> right, yeah, I know. Right like suck-up didn't miss any for the Bucs. That would have <laughs> that that been bad. just been the worst. If the Bucs would have dro- drove down there in the fourth quarter had uh, Brady not thrown that pit and, and suck-up missed a 34-yarder to oh, tie yeah. the football game, I mean – that that would have been the uh, that would have been the the, the ultimate the Bucks experience, the ultimate <laughs> ultimate Buccaneer experience, no doubt about it. Because it would have been kicker oriented too, which would have yes. made it just. Yeah. I mean, that was thought was going through my head. It was racing through my head if right. they were to be able to get in position. But um, you know, okay, we got to talk about the defense too. I, I want to you know talk about some of this, uh, some of the the struggles on that side because. I mean, we have kind of the focus on this game has been so much the offense and I get it. I mean, like I said, I understand completely. Um, But, you know, I just think, man, there is just so much bad happening on the defensive side of things. The offense, you know, they could go off any time, you know, for X amount of points. But defensively, they have just been reeling for weeks. I know the second half against the Panthers was better. Some things were better in the second half against the Rams, but I re- I said this to Scott last night. I really I mean the Rams missed a field goal. They really just the, some of the play calling. What was the third and eight run when they were down there near the red zone and complete control yeah. throwing all over the Bucks at the end? That was a give up play call and they had a screen on a third and five with Ross Cockrell in the game and everything that they ran that I was not with the Bucks DBs rolled up. It was just a really some curious play calls. And then the holding call, remember, the Rams had a first down near midfield after a run, and the holding call put them in second and 17, and that was a hard situation for them to get out of then after that. So I thought some things went the Bucks' way in the second half that kept them in it more so than they were great defensively. And then as soon as the Rams matched the gas, they were back on their heels again and you know giving up the, the game-winning points. And coverage-wise, I don't know what to do. Uh, somebody tweeted to me today, Mark, and they said, if you're Todd Bowles, how do you stop Patrick Mahomes? 
and I haven't replied to the person. Not because I don't want to, just because I have no freaking clue. I don't know what you do. No, I mean, you hey, it's Pat Mahomes, you, you so can't. like, you and Andy Reid. So you, like, you what are you gonna do? But you can't blitz. That. I mean, how you how you, you can't blitz them that often? Like, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, you you'd have to play way more too high coverages. First of all, there's no question right. about that, which they're not gonna do. They just haven't done it all year. I mean. You obviously can't sit in the zone defense, but I'm not trying to act like no, Sean Murphy I, Bunting at Jamel Dean or Ross Cockrell or great you gotta, man either. I think you got to roll the dice and man and hope that you know yeah. you get a little pressure up front. You you can blitz a little bit, but you play tight, man. And you hope you know you tip a ball up here. You get a few pass breakups. Maybe you you know have some quirky turnover. I think that's the only thing you can do because if you sit back in his zone. It's a, the Chiefs will score fifty points and Patrick Mahomes will have five hundred yards passing. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not even going to be close. And right, um, I, you know, I think you just have to say screw it. You know, we but you have to mix up your looks too. I mean, it has to no, be a mix. I think you can you know, disguise things, maybe right. show zone, but get back into man as often as you can because zone coverage is gonna. It, it's just gonna be a. Uh, it's going to be a disaster. If he holds the Chiefs under 30, hats off to him. I, I mean, I mean that. I, yeah, I really – No, I agree. It's hard for me to see a path right now the to Bucks the Bucks. Will win. The Bucks will win if they hold the Chiefs under 30 because I think the Buccaneers are going to score 30 points. I really do. I, I think they can. And, I don't know uh, what to think about the offense. <laughs> I, I really it's don't. Their, it's, it's their week, man, the bipolar Bucks. It's their, it's their week yeah. to uh, bounce back and, and plug well. I mean – Honestly, they could need that. Could be a game where I just and I thought this was that game. If you get a turnover or two, I think you can win the game. But unfortunately, I was wrong about that. It was the one thing I was wrong about was the turnovers. Now I I don't think they got. They really didn't affect Goff even when there was pressure. He was great. I don't know what happened there, but I was watching the rewatch in the first and second quarter. I was like, they actually got through a few times, and Goff made unbelievable throws. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I mean Goff deserves a lot of credit. You know that he he was been horrible under pressure all season. He was unbelievable under pressure last well, night. Know, so you know what we keep saying that that these quarterbacks, Daniel Jones is, deserves some credit and this and that. No, the Buccaneers deserve blame when when you've got a brand new left tackle in the game and you can't sniff the quarterback. Uh, when when you know oh yeah hey, we sold out and we we stopped the run. Well, that's all well and good. You still gave up three hundred and seventy six yards receiving. And, well, he gets rid of the ball quick. Well, get your arms up and bat five of those balls down and see what, what happens. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. William Goldston said it last night. You know, well, if that happens, we got to get our hands up and bat some balls down. And we just didn't see that uh, very often, if at all, last night. So, you know, it's still up to the defense. And when there was opportunities to get sacks, Shaq Barrett was missing in action. Look for him on a milk carton in Bay Area grocery stores this week because – he is a missing and exploited child right now, unfortunately. Thank goodness the Buccaneers did not hand him the keys to the Ferrari uh, with a trunk load of cash because yeah. he's been a huge disappointment. I love Shaq Barrett. I really do. Mm-hmm. I was one of those guys defending him this offseason, saying that he earned it, that you don't get 19 and a half sacks by accident, and I still don't believe you do. But for whatever reason, he's a different football player. Now he's on the left side a lot more than he was last year. But he claims he likes to rush from the left side. Uh, I'm just not seeing the same effectiveness that we saw from Shaq Barrett, who got a lot of sacks last year without JPP even being on the field. So, um, you know, hats off to the front office for knowing what they did. Because remember, the salary cap is going to be reduced. 
mm-hmm. five, 20, 25 million dollars, whatever it's going to be mm-hmm. next year. Yeah. We've got to get a lot of guys to resign. And uh, there's going to be some tough decisions made. And uh, had they re-signed him this year to a long-term deal, it would have been guaranteed money for at least the first two years. So they wouldn't have been able to get out of that deal at all. And you can't be paying a guy that's going to end up with maybe six sacks, seven sacks. You can't be paying that guy $16, $17 right. on a long-term deal. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a the perfect uh, storm of situations for the Bucks the other night. I mean, from, from the – from the lack of pass rush uh, times, uh, the ineffectiveness of their edge rushers to the play by many in the secondary. Um, tough time. They could have really used an insurance policy like Briar Greaves. That's what they really could have used, Mark. I don't know if you are aware of this, but it's uh, there's still a few hurricanes forming in the Gulf, and so people need to make sure they remember to renew their insurance policies and review them as well. Call Briar Greaves Insurance, which is family-owned and has served the greater Tampa Bay area for 30 years for your home, auto, boat, life, commercial, and flood insurance needs. A lot of homeowner companies are canceling or not renewing policies, leaving Florida or increasing premiums significantly. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for a personalized touch for information on the best rates. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are big fans of the Buccaneers and proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast, on pewterreport.com visit briargreavesinsurance.com or call 813-876-4166 that's 813-876-4166 today and you, you mentioned I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a customer scott reynolds is a customer john right. soon gonna be a customer soon um, briar greaves uh just good people man and you know insurance people a lot of people maybe have a little distrust with insurance people Brian Reeves has never, ever tried to sell me something that I didn't need. They've never been brutally honest with me. Mark, you need this, right. or Mark, you're wasting your money on this. And I appreciate that. It's like when you find a good mechanic, right? That's huge, yeah. You know, it's just the way that they are. And, uh, you know... Briar Greaves and Sam, they got to put their head down on their pillow and sleep at night, and they want to do the best for their customers. Um, and, yeah, the more they sell, the more money they make, but they'd rather sell a legitimate, good quality uh policies to to more people in volume than to sell huge policies to a handful of people that that don't need certain things so they're they're really good honest folks i appreciate them and and what they've done for my family and what they could do for your family so make sure to give them a call seriously give them a call or let it just do a checkup on your policies whatever you have insurance wise they can uh they'll just take a look at it and it's free it's not going to cost you anything at all except a phone call so do that because uh, you'll be surprised. And I was surprised. Uh, you know, you should check your insurance, whether it's home, auto, or life. You should always, at least once every two years, uh, check and see what else is out there on the market. You'll be surprised. You don't want to do like I've done in the past where I went five, six years realizing I could have been saving three or $400 per year. And then you add that up and you realize, damn, I could have went to Hawaii on that money. So anyway, check them out. Briar Greaves, good friends, uh, but even better insurance people. Yeah. Good question from G Vegas. Do you think we need to incorporate more Scotty Miller in deep play packages? The whole Scotty Miller narrative is interesting. Um, you know, Scotty Miller is the team's leading receiver in receiving yards going to the Saints game. Then uh, he barely plays over the last three games. 15 snaps last night, which was up from nine the week before. Um, just really just to basically phase them out of the offense. And if you want to hit vertical shots, I don't know why that would be the case. Um, you know, but I, at the, again, at the same time, once you sign Antonio Brown, 
this is what you committed yourself to. There's well, just well, the reality how many, is how, how many yards per game per catch was Scotty Miller uh, averaging six, almost 16. I want to say how much. So Antonio Brown is averaging half of that. He's averaging less than nine yards per reception since joining the Buccaneers. I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm certainly not a football coach. I did sleep at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but it just makes sense to me if you're getting half the production from a position, then you made a bad decision. Right. Well, I mean, there's been elements to it. Like I said, AB's was was been open vertically a couple times now. It's just a matter of connecting, and they've been off target with those. So, but that again, that's what happens when you bring in a guy mid seat. Like you just the timing isn't yeah. there, and so and it's Bruce one of the struggles. Bruce right. said that today. I mean, you know, we would have much rather had this before the season, but you, you know, you could have to a degree, right? You could have, you could have signed him. You just couldn't have played him because he had to serve that eight game suspension, but he could have been um, on the practice field or whatever the rules are. I don't know. I don't remember mm-hmm. all the rules, but I know he was able to practice a couple or the week before his suspension ended, but you know, I, he would have been able to participate in training camp and those kind of things. Uh, and they chose not to do it, so it's, it's right. It's, it's well, it, it was confusing for a lot of reasons. I mean, Antonio Brown's made good plays. I don't want to act like Antonio Brown hasn't been good, but it is also this is what I was talking about when people said, you know, Antonio Brown is better than Scotty Miller. This is an easy decision. Yeah, but it's just not all about that. It's also about right. what you do in an offense and how you function and what that function does for the rest of the offense. So there is give and take. I mean, Antonio Brown's made combat catches and plays along the sideline that Scotty Miller probably doesn't make, and they haven't made vertical plays that Scotty Miller probably does make. So, you, again, yeah. it's just kind of you have to change what you do to fit different people and different personnel, and I just don't know that the Bucks have – done a great job of doing that with Antonio Brown all the time. But at the same time, you know, he's been the last two games. They should have hit him for big plays and they didn't. And so, um, you know, I think that I'm just willing to give it more time. I, you know, but the, the, the downside of it, I'm willing to give the AB thing time. I'm not criticizing the AB on the field thing. I think it's been fine. I don't think that's the problem. AB's been good, (laughs) but I do think the problem is then by default, like not having Scotty Miller on the field because you can't, you're just not going to play that many four wide receiver packages. It's not going to do it. And so there is something that you lose by not having Scotty Miller on the field and, and, and it matters. And so um, I think that it's something they're going to have to adjust and be able to work around, but you can't be as vertically based as the bucks are all the time when you have guys like, especially Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. I mean, they are receivers who have thrived in horizontal type of roles and you're not getting them the ball in those situations. And it's why the bucks are one of the worst teams in the league and yards after catch. They don't, you know, watch the place Cooper cup made the other night. Like Cooper cup's not a better player than Chris Godwin or Mike Evans or Antonio Brown, but like Cooper cup can make plays with the ball in his hands and he's in opportunities and situations to make plays with the ball in his hands. And, and that makes a huge world of difference for an offense. The bucks, you know, they haven't had that. People look at, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans yards per catch this season. Like, oh man. And with Mike Evans, there's a lot, you know, to unpack with it. But the reality is those guys haven't really made many plays after the catch. You know, and I think Chris Godwin's been really good, but he hasn't been nearly as effective as he was last year after the catch. Look at his numbers from last year after the catch and his numbers from this year after the catch. Astronomical difference. Um, so part of it's him, part of it's the fact the scheme doesn't lend itself really to to players. Um, to players who are going to make plays after the catch. They, they haven't done a lot of that. A, a lot of that is getting a guy moving horizontally. He's a harder target to hit after the catch moving horizontally than he is vertically. And so um, there's lots of elements to it. But again, it's one of those things they have not been able to create in this offense 
that's important to be able to create, I think, especially in today's NFL. So there are a ton of layers to all of this, um, you know, especially when you look at the Bucks offense. It's not even the deep ball. I was talking to somebody about this. Everybody's like, Brady just hasn't hit the deep balls. They're one of two of whatever in the last five, four games. But it's way more than that. I wrote about this past week. There's miscommunication on deep balls. Look at the Saints game. There's, those aren't accuracy issues or timing issues. Those are just dudes not being on the same page. I mean, you know, Kevin Garber says it's the wide receiver's fault. I, you know, I mean, two of them look like the wide receiver's fault. You know, but it's a, this is what we get into. Like, he's looking for a back shoulder and the receiver's getting vertical still. And who's in the wrong, who's in the right? I'm not sure, but that's like once they fix that, it's not like the accuracy that's the issue. Now, there were at times where accuracy was issue. He missed Mike Evans deep against the against the Panthers, uh, and he missed Rob Gronkowski deep, was on the same drive. And so, and then, you know, you could say yesterday he wasn't, the ball wasn't even accurate a lot of the time, even though I don't think no, anybody was open either deep. So there's a lot of elements. I mean, the Saints game, you know, you have a, a guy open deep and you get pressure right away and you get hit as you throw. It's hard to complete those passes if that's going to be happening. Then Joe Hegg's going to get whipped. So there's just so many layers to a lot of this, and there's so much nuance to a lot of it. We run into trouble when we say, oh, X player sucks, or we need to move on from X player, or, you know, X player just hasn't been good enough and they're not good enough. You know, there's just a lot of layers to it, and we got to unpack all of that, I think, to be able to get to – kind of the deep ball and Scotty Miller and all of this stuff. But it's a good question by G Vegas. I just think there's way more layers to it than just Scotty Miller not being uh, that good. So, so we've covered a lot of ground on this podcast. We've answered a lot of questions. There's questions about two running back sets. Uh, I don't know if that's maybe a joke because these running, I want no running back sets. <laughs> what are, what are no running back sets? Can we choose that as an option? I would love that option. If I can smash publish on that option, I would do it. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's uh, there's a lot to talk about with this offense and a lot to talk about with this defense. We're going to keep doing that tomorrow on the podcast. Scott and I will be on here. Uh, we will be on here at 4 p.m. live. We're going to break the Chiefs and the Bucks down in depth. If you listened to last week's podcast previewing the Rams and the Bucks game, you probably had a great idea of what was going to happen in this game, what to expect in this game schematically and in the result as well and the process, all of it. So I would just encourage you, if you're a big Bucks fan, make sure you're tuning in and you're telling your friends and family about this Chiefs podcast, Chiefs Bucks preview podcast tomorrow, 4 p.m. Pewter Report podcast. Check it out, Pewter Report TV uh, on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed. You got that bell. You get the notifications so you don't have to try and remember Oh, hey, wait, they're live. I missed the first, you know, uh, jump on here, comment, chat with us. We're going to have lots of good information, data, stats, uh, some tape stuff that we've seen on this matchup because it's going to be a very interesting matchup with the potential to be very fun where I thought, you know, the the Bucks-Rams was going to be a little bit of a, of a defensive grinder. Uh, you know, I think this one has the potential to be a little bit more of a wild game, uh, and we'll see if the Bucks can come out on top. We break all that down tomorrow at 4, and then we're off the rest of the week. So enjoy the holiday after that, um, and we'll have a lot wait, of fun. Wait, we're not going to do a Thursday Turkey Day edition? No no Turkey Day edition, come no Black on, Friday John. podcast either. We're going to let people, <laughs> we're no, gonna let people enjoy their holiday. I guest on Thursday. Come on. No chance. I tried. They said there's no options uh, for uh, to come on as a guest on Thanksgiving, and I said, oh, "Well, man. most people want to skip Thanksgiving and go right to Christmas, but people, you know, are pushing back now, and I appreciate that. Honestly, are you one of those people, Mark? Listen to Christmas music like in this October year? this year? Yes, not normally. Oh. Normally, I'm a I'm a very 
rigid, but it's 2020. There's no rules. Uh, <laughs> There's as, no my rule. dad, as my dad said once when he and my son were chatting and, and we were over in his backyard and he jokingly said he was going to jump in the pool and, and go skinny dipping. And my son said, you can't do that. And my dad said, why not? My pool, my rules. <laughs> so that's kind of the way I look at life. You applied that to Christmas. I apply that to Christmas. I'm a skinny dip. No, I'm not going to skinny dip on Christmas. But you know what? There are no rules. 2020 does not count. I turned 50 this year, but no one was there to hear it. It's like when a tree falls in the forest. If it doesn't make a sound, it didn't happen. Nobody doesn't celebrated count. my birthday. So I'm. You're still 49. Sure. I'm still 49. Uh, so this year, you know what? Yeah, I've been listening to some Christmas music. Uh, Megan's already got the entire house decorated in Christmas, other than the tree. <laughs> as soon as they start selling the trees, we'll be picking one of those up. So, uh, what the hell? I, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I'm that guy this year. Next year, I'll wow. be, be normal. As you heard it here first, the, folks. Thanksgiving. I get the get the uh, coronavirus vaccine. And by the way, let's get real political real quick. <laughs> no, here we me. go. Just give it to me. I was arguing with my nurse at my doctor's office. She says, well, there could be issues down the road. I said, it doesn't matter. I'm old. I'm going <laughs> to die anyway. But we know there's going to be issues if I catch corona. So just give me the vaccine. I'll take my chances. So there's your daily dose of cook politics. I won't even charge you extra for that. So. I don't know how that's a political take, but you're probably right. Somehow that it is. It is. It's everything. political take these <laughs> Yes, people will be arguing about it as soon as we get off this podcast. Yeah, they're probably already about to light up the mention, so let's get out of here. Tomorrow, yep. 4 p.m., Scott and I will be on uh, talking uh, Chiefs-Bucks. We'll preview that one for you and all the key stats and matchups that you need to know in that game and then off the rest of the week. And we'll be on after the Sunday game. Uh, we'll be on uh, breaking it all down. Uh, we'll be back after that Chiefs game. So uh, it's going to be some fun stuff. So stick with us. And we appreciate you all tuning in to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. My out. Pool, my rules. I'm out.